Welcome back. Welcome in to Country Roads Confidential here at earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Hey, we're doing overtime here too today. I am Mike Casazzo. I'm welcoming in the enemy of secrets kept at the Pushkar Center, Chris <laughs> Anderson. Three weeks in a row with the big pregame headline, James Gemitter's absence, while unfortunate, an afterthought. I think it's fair to say I don't mean to demean a COVID-19 positive result, but I don't think the offensive line was problematic, or at least that he would have been the solution. And nevertheless, West Virginia wins in overtime, 27-21. Chris, there is a lot to talk about here, and I don't know where to go. I do know that West Virginia has a week off to get ready for Kansas. I do know that West Virginia just played Kansas light. Kansas zero, maybe. Baylor looked clueless, ineffective, inefficient, incapable on offense. West Virginia's defense certainly had a lot to do with that. You could say the same things about West Virginia's offense and Baylor's defense, too. I uh, There's a thousand ways I can start here, Mike. I, you know, I always keep my little notes on my, on my Word document about what I want to talk about in the podcast. This is the longest I, I obviously I don't keep them. I, I erase them as as we discuss them, so I don't double up on something. So I don't actually still have that stuff. But I I can safely say this might be the longest list of things I'd like to discuss on the podcast since Neil Brown took over. At least I mean since we've been doing this podcast. Let's take a stare from a thousand yards above. Some of those fonts are going to be larger than others in your Word doc. I could think I have a few. Uh, sensitive areas, let's say. Where do we begin? What looms largest right now? Um, let's hey, because I'm a half glass full guy. Let's start. Let's start there. Let's start with the positive. This defense is freaking good. Like, oh, like really freaking good. That was an amazing performance by them because it we I kind of mentioned it after about maybe the third offensive drive. West Virginia's problems last year was that the defense was pretty darn good, but the offense was so terrible and turned it over so often that the defense just got worn down. And then it seemed like the defense was bad because the stats said they were bad. The scoreboard said they were bad, but they really weren't. This was looking a lot like that again today. And then, but the defense kept stopping them and stopping them and stopping them. Uh, the only two touchdowns that they would have had in regulation, uh, no, the second one. Well, the second one came in the last seconds. But the first, the first touchdown they should have never got after that bogus uh, pass interference on the interception by Nick Troy Fortune on the ball that got tapped in the air. Uh, that gets called, which was ridiculous. And that's a 50-yard swing and gives Baylor the ball back. And then the other one is after, or would have been after, the muffed punt return that set them up inside the red zone. They had what was it? I think they started at least two drives, maybe three drives inside of West Virginia's 30 yard line started inside yeah, of them. Yep. It's insane. I'm a, I'm not, I'm not a fan of Baylor. <laughs> I like the defense a lot. I talked about it on our preview pod. We read a snippet from pro football focus saying that I think emphatically they believe that Baylor's defense is better than Oklahoma state's I'm not sure it's a conversation. Baylor's defense is very good. We talked all about Jalen Petrie, who gave West Virginia fits. There's no other way to put it. He caused him problems start to finish. Terrell Bernard, really good defensively, uh, as advertised. And then another guy we mentioned, uh, William Bradley King. He's the high-impact transfer 
from Arkansas State. He bullied West Virginia up front. So that's a first level, second level, second and a half level defender, Petrie, Bernard, and Bradley King. Um, and they had problems with him. Baylor's offense is a mess. I don't know what their plan was, but I don't think they ever got into a plan because they got absolutely dominated. Absolutely dominated by West Virginia's front. Uh, is that accurate? Is that not emphatic enough? Because I, I see what Tony Fields, what Josh Chandler, what X3 Lowe, who's very good. Uh, you got to throw Tyke Smith in the front. Darius still, Akeem Mesador played really well. Jeff Pooler played well. Dante Stills played well. Everybody who had to play well up front. If you're going to win, you know, what looked like a 17 a, a 14 game, a 2014 game, ultimately a 27 21 game. Listen, if you're going to settle into that groove, you're going to need a handful of guys to play really well. Every one of them did on West Virginia's defense. Yeah, and it, one of the – I guess I have it as small font, as you put it, right now. But just just think about some of the names that you mentioned there and how deep this defense is for West Virginia. Because in the fourth quarter, West Virginia's up seven, less than four or five minutes left, something in that range. And Baylor is inside the five-yard line going to tie it up in the fourth quarter. Now, I get that they're kind of going tempo, so you can't really do a bunch of rotations. You can't really sub out unless you're going to um, call a timeout or unless Baylor subs first. But West Virginia's defensive line in that situation, inside the five-yard line at that point, was Jalen Thornton, redshirt freshman, Quay Mays, mm-hmm. junior college transfer who just arrived, and Akeem Mesador, true freshman that just arrived. That's crazy. That's insane. And the craziest part, I let's I well, I was about to go really crazy and say I couldn't tell a difference, but it, mm. but, but they did really Do darn it. well, and they they held up. Hey, I don't don't let people pressure you into saying things on this podcast. Just like I tried to pressure you into saying that uh, that uh, Brewer was the best quarterback in the Big Twelve or second best. Yeah, oh, I'm glad <laughs> I'm vindicated there. Um. We, we made a meal out of this in the podcast. West Virginia played 19 defenders against Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Did not have Vandarius Cowan today. They played 18 defenders today. Um, I'm worried about that, man. Like, that's just something I think about in weeks, or I guess games, 8, 9, and 10. You're putting a lot on people, and especially a lot on younger people here, too. Um, ultimately, doesn't matter. I don't know. Today, and again, the plug and play stuff at the end was really good. Like, like Messler, I got better as the game went on. I thought, I think that's probably true for a lot of the veterans. There's something empowering about telling defensive players, we're going to put the game in your shoulder pads, but you're right. Mays played. Um, I, I thought, I think I even mentioned this too. I thought the Thornton played pretty well last game. He just gives you energy. He pushes. You're not going to get a break if you're an offensive lineman against him or Mays for that matter too. So that was good. Their, their defense is fine. I think it wasn't the problem last week. It certainly wasn't a problem the first week. I think it's going to be good. I wonder this though, this is 27, 21 last week was 27, 13. We go back to the final uh, three games last season, you know, not high scoring. It's the ultimate zag in the big 12 to be defense dominated. Defense first. Teams want to do it, but they also score 40 points. They may allow 17, 21, whatever, but they're still going to score 40. If you allow 17, 21 today, you win, but you only score 27. How how long of a shelf life does this idea have? It doesn't. The offense has to it has to get better. You can't you can't to. play you can't play this way, uh, or you can't rely on your defense to hold 
the entire Big 12 below 21 points for the season. It's it, it, You can do that against Kansas State, um, this Baylor team, um, Kansas, and that might be it. I mean, you're not going to do that against Oklahoma. You're not going to do that against Texas. Uh, TCU looked pretty darn good offensively today, especially now with Dugan back. Um, you're not doing it against yeah. them. Uh, in Texas Tech for all the faults that they have. And Well, I'm about to say this, but I think they have zero points at the half against Kansas State. Um, Texas Tech is typically not a team that's going to get slowed down on offense, so your offense has to score, period. Has to, 30 should be the number, I, I would think, in most cases, at least. Today was the first day of the four game season. I, I think you could I, I think you could have walk in pneumonia and win two more games against some of these teams here. Like if this is West Virginia's walking pneumonia, right? Um sickly on offense, strong on defense, you're able to get around, but you're not yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can you can beat Kansas, especially at home. And then I like your odds as a fifty fifty against Kansas State and Texas Tech, probably more against Texas Tech than Kansas State if you're not up to par. But still, we talked about how you got to get these games. you got to pocket wins because the Final Four better pack a lunch, right? Um, yeah. Listen, this is growth today. It's it's a win. It's it's ugly. It wasn't fun. It wasn't inspiring. It was deflating. It was probably disappointing in some regard. I don't think anybody who participated would agree, but I think if you caught them in a candid moment, they would say, oh, boy, we thought better. We, we expected better. We practiced really well. We have higher standards, and it wasn't there, too. Um we're zooming. You screen share with me. I'm going to back up to the other side of the room. And I'm going to look for the really big fonts. Is there one or two more things you want to talk about in broad strokes before we get into the finer details here? Is end of first half struggles. The, oh, my that, gosh. <laughs> I mean, you like I, I tweeted out. You had texted me. I was ready. You, you said if if Baylor scores here before the half we're going to do an emergency pod. And I, I set up my microphone. I was prepared for it. That was, there was one minute and 10 seconds, one minute and 12 seconds left when West Virginia got the ball. And that drive was so bad. And they got, gave it back so quickly that Baylor still – West Virginia started their drive with a minute and 10 seconds left, and Baylor still got the ball back and ran seven more plays and kicked the ball before <laughs> halftime. I can't even wrap my head around that. Like, I wrote this down. I checked it. I said, that can't be right. I'm looking at it again. It's, it's still unfathomable to me that, that, that they were able to do that. Let's, let's say this. West Virginia won, and and probably probably deserved it. Is that fair? Yes, I, I think West Virginia was the better team today. I, I, because I think about some of the penalties against Miller. Listen, Bernard made an amazing play. Like you could put it on Daigie for throwing it right to a middle linebacker, and he should know where that guy is in RPO. That's that's your guy. You got to watch the mic on that play. But the guy made a fantastic play. So, again, a handful of plays you can talk about to 50-50, and you went over. So, hey, bummer, but you still won. I get that. But the margins align against West Virginia. These small margins exist, and if you refuse to exercise or exploit any of them, they rise against you. And what did we talk about last week? Um, turnovers, strip six, penalties, just those things again. And, like, hey, lesser opponent, higher priority. 
and it just it didn't match up. And I look at what happens at the end of the first half. They played again defensively, played so well, just so well, and did what they were supposed to do. Um, I, I don't know where you would pick Brewer in a fantasy draft. Him and Dagey are fifty-fifty, if you ask me. But he he didn't look exceptional today. He didn't look anything anything like threatening to me. So that guy's not going to beat you today. The, the the way your defensive line is getting after him, hey, fine. But listen, you're seven-seven, and you should be up, and you know that, and you got bad luck. The difference between going in down and going in even is is major, even if it's only three points or even one point. And when you give a team three points, it's amplified. There was no reason for West Virginia to do that. And again, when it's first and 10 at your 26 with 122 in the clock and you run it, after your quarterback has played the way that Jared Dakey played the first half, you're, you're waving a flag. It, it, it may look a little red. It may look a little white. It looks more white than red. And you throw it on second down out of bounds. It's second and eight. Well, guess what? It's third and eight. What are you going to do? It, this is easy. They were going to play run, drop back on pass. They did. They swallowed a pass, play five yards, fourth and three opponent. Your punter's not very good. I don't know what to say, but your punter's not very good right now. You give the team the ball back with 43 seconds to go with a chance to tie it That's or, or go in the lead. That's inexcusable. you you got to be better than that. Run it three times. Make them burn their timeouts. Just just be happy 7-7 seven, seven and say, listen, I understand the way the game is going. I really like my defense. I'm at home. I'm going to make adjustments. I'm a second-year coach that knows my team. I'm not a first-year head coach who's still figuring things out. Whatever. Build your advantages. These things that you talk about, Zoom champions, discipline, all that stuff, right? Trust it. And follow it. Don't press it. Don't pressure it. Don't push it. Just trust it. Put the plan into action and let it go. And when you do something like that and you're like, oh, man, I'm not so sure. These things I say, I'm not so sure I stand behind solidly. You give the team the ball back with a chance to take the lead, and they get the ball to start the second half. You could be down 10. You could be down 6. It's needless. Needless. And it wasn't so much as you gave them the ball. Run the ball three times. You gain five yards, nine yards, whatever. You're still punting. But they're out of timeouts, and they're getting the ball with, again, 45, 50 seconds left. They don't have any timeouts. They should be kicking a field goal. They had a chance to walk their big-legged kicker on to kick a field goal. Now, granted, Dante Stills, can we call him backup Dante Stills or starter Dante Stills? He <laughs> blocks the, the field goal. It's, it's a negligible point. I get that. But don't put your team in situations. If this happens at the end of the second half or second quarter, no big deal. End of the second half, it's a really big deal. And I think the other part here is Baylor was okay with just going into half because that, that wanted, first down run, they, they, they ran it. it. Yeah. yeah, they they ran the two yards, and it was second and eight. And I was like, oh, I wonder if Baylor's going to try to call a timeout or anything. I don't know if they had any at that point, but it was it's like, oh, maybe they'll, they'll try to call a timeout. And West Virginia hustles up to the line to quickly get off a play so that Daggy can scramble around and throw the ball out of bounds and stop the clock for him. Uh, it's just what like, I, I I don't know. Like Baylor was like, Hey man, yeah, we're ready to, you guys just want to call it. That was an ugly, terrible half for both of us. Let's just, let's just go to the locker room. And W's like, no, 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 no. Got to screw up a couple more times, just a couple more. Then we'll take a break. Right. I'm uh, I'm, I'm hypocritical if I don't acknowledge this. So, so please feel free to point at me or whatever. One of my tenants uh, in basketball and football sports competition debate, Whatever. Um, 
I do not do what the opponent wants me to do. And when the opponent leverages me in, in one of those situations where I can get leverage back, I think about it. And as you're saying, Baylor wanted overtime. So when you run that play and Baylor says, all right, cool, halftime, I think about it. I think about, you know what, it's not a terrible situation to feel. Perhaps we can perhaps we can launch one with a kicker and, and we'll get there. But um, I just hate doing it. I, I, just, I, just, I do not want to go down at halftime. I don't want to get in that chance. I understand that they give you an opening and you might want to burst through it because, again, West Virginia's offense is not in a position right now where it can just forgive debts given by the defense. So you press it. You see what you can do. I just, I just, in hindsight, in the moment, I just don't like it. And that could have been three really significant points in the end. Do you feel better now that you've gotten the pre-halftime thing off your chest? Uh, without, giving, without giving away the, the, the wording, on a scale of one to ten, where was the vitriol on my text to you? <laughs> <laughs> it was it was up there. Yeah, I, I think I don't, I'm trying to remember the last time you texted me for an emergency pod, uh, emergency <laughs> halftime pod. I don't think you ever have. Uh, so I knew this was I knew this was going to be a touchy subject for you. But I think it's probably a touchy subject for a lot of people because it was I mean, it was getting it, oh, hindsight 2020. This was not hindsight. This was as it was happening. Quite literally, everyone except for, you know, the 11 people on the field and some of the people on the sideline were like, wait, what is happening? Why are they doing that? So um, it was it, it it was a strange one. Uh, you know, let's <laughs> I, 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 I can go again like this. This is this is the fascinating thing about covering a team and getting to know coaches and even talking to coaches one on one. We're going to have, again, black and white differences on things like this. I guarantee you that they're going to hate that take by me. And say, oh, it was three points. But man, I would I would not want to retreat in the locker room down three and let them have the ball. And that was a needless risk for me. I, I just whatever. Fine, we'll move on. Um, again, they won. That's the most important thing. And I think this is most important from Neil Brown too. After the game, um, I think he's doing some spinning, some deflecting. I don't think he's using excuses, and I don't think he's using explanations that should wash things away. I think he understands what happens today. But he says, hey, we didn't lose today. We found a lot of ways to lose last week in Stillwater. We we summoned at least as many ways to lose today, but we won. And for me, covering the team, again, last week you could have been different. You could have won when Oklahoma lost. Well, hey, you could have lost when Texas lost. So now you got one loss. Oklahoma's got one loss. Texas got one loss. I would say it's got one loss. If you had two losses, it's very different. I understand it's early, but... Everything's relative right now. You're one and one, and you won a game that you could have lost. After you lost the game, you could have won. Small victories, I guess, but qualifiers don't really apply. It's a victory. I'm trying to think. I'm going to look it up as we're talking, but they, it's true. Everything you just said is true. Everything that Neil Brown said after the game, not everything Neil Brown said after the game is true. I'll touch on that in a minute, but everything he said about this being a grit and this being, you know, not finding a way to lose it. They found a way to win it when they had no business winning that game. I do think they were the better team. I think they were more talented. I think they had better players. But the way the game went and what went wrong, I didn't think there was any way they were going to win that. And they just, you know, again, I think a lot of the credit goes to the defense because uh, they could have caved and been like, man, we we're sick and tired of carrying 
this game right now. And they didn't. And they kept fighting. They kept stopping them. And I think that was that's the big difference for me from last year to this year. That a lot of times last year it was defense is holding them to seven points, 14 points, whatever. And then uh, the offense is doing nothing. And you get into the third quarter and boom, all of a sudden, 21 straight points for uh, Iowa State, 21 straight points for Texas. And, and then the game's a blowout. Um, that did not happen today. And it gave the offense the time it needed to kind of turn things around, which was which is pretty remarkable. I don't think Neil Brown or I don't think Shane Lyons is going to be flying to Houston to meet with Oklahoma State offensive coordinator Casey Dunn anytime soon. There are 2010 parallels here. Um, uh, a very average offense um, runs the ball OK and has a good running back. Quarterbacks iffy. Receivers are iffy. But the makings of a dynamic defense, we've seen this before. The trouble was the Big East was not as talented, as explosive, as prolific as the Big 12. Then again, I look at the schedule, look at the teams, and I think, man, if you can reel off 31, you might win. It just worries me a little bit. There's parallels here that I just I can't help but avoid. But I want to go to some other things that that do make me separate one another here. and and that's the – I kind of like the defense, but I still kind of like the offense too. Am I wrong to think that there is something here that is yet to be unlocked with the offense? I just kind of think that these are not inept errors, incompetent errors. They're just errors that I think can be cured. And if I'm wrong, we're going to have to have a heavy conversation in a couple of weeks. Um, I don't think you're wrong because – Okay. That first that first drive, and I asked Neil Brown about this after the game. How much did they script? That's a really I mean, good question, by the way. This is good. Oh, look at that! See, you're teaching me something. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not some clickbait guy. I got real live journalism, capital J questions here. Clickbait. Um, Don't clickbait. DM me five times out of nowhere. <laughs> um, I think it's because that that first drive and. Here you go. Get ready for the tooting our own horn thing uh, portion of the podcast here. But we spent all that time on the preview podcast talking about getting it out uh, to get the screenplays to the running backs. We talked about, have we seen one? When was the last time we saw one? <laughs> God forbid, there's one on the second play of the game and very successful. They did it multiple times. Uh, we talked about how Deggie had not really, we, we said that Baylor was vulnerable in the middle. But Deggie had, and that's where Deggie had done most of his damage, and struggled to get it outside. And they went right outside, hit those receivers quick. And all of a sudden, the offense just kind of cruised right on down the field. And uh, Deggie finally kept one on, on, on the option there and strolled right into the end zone. And that was it. But that first drive kind of told you that, hey, this, this is possible. And... Brown said they went back to that script. He says they script was it six plays and they'll go back to it whenever their offense is struggling, when they know that they can go back to that and kind of rely on those plays. And I think we saw that a couple of times. I, there were a couple of times where they started doing um, kind of like an RPO handoff, uh, just off either from left to right or right to left, going off guard. And that was, I think, Sinkfield broke a big one there. Uh, Brown had had a couple of nice runs right before that. And then they do that and motion the receiver or not motion him, but he comes across like an end around as a, as a second option after the handoff. They ran that play seven or eight times on like a nine or ten play drive. Just yep. kept doing it over and over again, and it was successful. And when you can run the same play over and over and over again, 
and, and, and make yards. That tells me you, you can do the things right. You can move the ball. So I think it's going to be about not shooting yourself in the foot and getting that extra blocking up front and kind of then expanding out from those handful of plays that you do well. Mm-hmm. Scouting matters. Film matters. We're three games in now. Baylor had a really good beat on West Virginia's offense after two games. They jumped up the box. Uh, TJ Simmons was targeted once. Winston Wright had some catches. I feel like most everything he did was hot potato, outside stuff. They did not have the middle of the field. They jumped the box, and they, they just barnstormed off the edges. They challenged the tackles. They challenged the perimeter blocking. I think that West Virginia made good adjustments in the second half and asked their receivers to block better, and they ran the ball okay. Um, but it took away a lot of the stuff that we had thought West Virginia would do well or try to do. Um, you and I are journalists, kind of smart, and we knew where this was going, and I think Baylor did too. I would say that Baylor made exceptional adjustments after that first drive. They got knocked back a little bit and said, okay, that's how they're going to play. Here's how we're going to play. I'm not sure that West Virginia doesn't have exceptional coaches, but I didn't see effective adjustments there. And I kind of felt like when they played well, they played into what Baylor was doing. And I'm talking about they got the ball outside again. They, they Again, Baylor attacked the edges, but I think about some good runs by Letty Brown. Maybe he bounced inside, but he went outside. I think about some outside passes. I think about Alex Singfield coming in. And again, I thought he was good. I thought he was like a difference in the game in limited action. But we're talking nine touches and 72 yards. That's good for him. I mean, that's that's a significant contribution there. And everything was on the perimeter. He leaked out. He uh, went outside. Um, I think that's a conquest for the offense, too, is that they were not boxed into a corner and couldn't play themselves out of it. They got pushed back a little bit, but they kind of said, listen, we can't ball up and trash the game plan. We have to do what we know we're good at. What are they good at, Mike? That's a really good question, Chris, because <laughs> I don't yet know. Um, I don't know what the PFF numbers are. Downfield passing is non-existent right now. Um, early on, Daggy went to Wheaton. Wheaton did not drape himself in glory there. He let that ball go. He didn't fight for it. He could have fought for a PI. The ball still hit him on, on his back arm, and... That's just not encouraging. He makes the game-winning play. Kudos to him and the coaches. Um, he had a wild game. Um, Sam James appeared when they needed him to. Um, but I think about the most significant plays, and it's not Wheaton. It's not Wright. It's not James. It's not Simmons. It is Sinkfield. It is Michael Laughlin. Um, TJ Banks had an 11-yard reception. That was important, too. Uh, I believe Ali Jennings got in the game and caught a ball as well. So uh, he's in the box score. Yeah. So. Is that true? Okay. So yeah. that's right. Okay. Um, so again, it's when, when you don't have your guys and the things you want to do and you still do stuff again, I think that's okay. I don't know how much of that is adjustment. I don't know how much of that is necessity, but when it, when it came to it, we're talking about when it came to it on defense, the unusual, perhaps unexpected personnel, as you, as you listed earlier, the touchdown went to Bryce Ford Wheaton. Uh, Sam James was in. He moved the, moved the chains a couple times, and they had to. Um, Michael Lockton is a bit of a surprise, but he played a ton of snaps, and I thought did okay blocking and, and doing some things. They really gapped a lot of stuff, almost like trap concepts on offense, on the running game. Um, it looked a little bit like split zone, but a little bit like gap trap stuff, and he was good. Um, 
I kind of like that in offense. Just, just don't completely scrap it, but just adjust things a little bit. And at the end of the day, you know, your five yards an attempt on offense passing, which is putrid, but you got 134 yards rushing and, and truth 146 because of sacks against days. So Brown ran the 27 times, 93 yards, two scores. Sinkfield, like I said, 653. I, I, I do think that they, they found ways to at least, you know, maybe they changed clothes, but they had the same motif. Can we talk about that Michael Laughlin play for a minute? The fourth down one? I love it. Okay, so. Can I give you a hot take? Can I give you a hot take first? Go. This is like an annual thing for me. Mm -hmm. Overtime. Coin flip. Mike calls heads. It's heads. Well, I want to play defense first, right? Right. No, I want to play offense. Really? I do. Um, Numbers, 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 analytics. Most games end after two overtimes. Like most overtimes do. And the second number is one overtime. Okay, that's fine. How many games go to three overtimes? I get that. But most games end after two, and then the next close number is one. If I have the ball first, I'm setting the, the tempo here. I'm setting the expectation for what the other team has to do. If I get seven and they get seven, okay. If I get three, three is not winning in overtime, as West Virginia proved today. So I get it. I get seven. I get it. I get fourth and one. I go for it. And then I make the other team deal with it. And then if that team scores, they got to go on offense twice in a row. My defense is probably feeling good. They're broken in. They're loose. They got an idea for what their their overtime scheme is. (laughs) Unless they score on a 25-yard throwback in the first play. I want to go first on overtime. I understand no one does it. No coach has a nerve. Bill Belichick doesn't coach college football. Bill Belichick would take the ball first in overtime. All right, I don't hate it. I, spicy, spicy, yeah, spicy. I, I, I still like being able to know what I have to do to win, but I see. But you have I to score a touchdown, don't you? You have to score yeah. a touchdown to win. I agree because I think now the more you're you're talking it out here, the more I, or the more I'm talking it out in my head because when yes. it was fourth and inches, I was yes. like, "Well, it's fourth and inches," and it's like, "Hey, it's a defensive game. Kick the field goal, take the lead." I was like, "No, you have to, you have to get, you have to go for it. You have to get a touchdown here. I don't care." It's a defensive game. You have to get a touchdown on that first, that first overtime, especially going first. And I think it was a great play. It, it's the play. Loved it. Loved it. So we saw it earlier, and it drove me nuts when we saw it earlier because it is so blatantly a kind of goal line short yardage play. Uh, you know, tight package. It looks like you're going to run. Boom, leak the tight end out, hit him in the flat, get your two yards or whatever it is you need. They ran it. So when when these coaches, for those not listening or aren't familiar, when the coaches draw up these special plays, these are like special short yardage plays that you only use when you need to. When it's in the second half and you got third and two or fourth and one, or you're trying to get a two-point conversion, you, you draw these plays and you keep them in your pocket so that you can run them. And so it's not on film for people to be prepared for. And in the second quarter of a mundane drive facing second and 12 West Virginia ran that play. I don't know if you remember it. It was the first, it was, it was a pass to Michael Laughlin in the flats. Yeah, I, he got hit it, yeah. for, I think for zero yards, I think it was like, or minus one. And I just remember being like, what the hell was that? Why would you run that right there? 
And I was like, that's a good looking short yardage play, but what it second and 12 in your own territory. And then they come back to it on fourth and inches. And then again, in the second overtime on that, was it the first play of the second overtime? And it goes for a big game too. Mm-hmm. Um, great play. I love it. I have to, I mean, now it's out there and now everybody knows about it. So you can, you can run it more often, but I, I still couldn't believe that they ran it on, on second and 12. It just, it blew my mind. I, audibly just screamed out what the hell was that and mm-hmm. and then a couple hours later there it is saving the game the season so good play let's talk about a couple players mm-hmm. is that all right yep dre miller living up to the four-star ranking there's a reason there's a reason he had a four-star rank ranking and was committed to lsu um, I believe he had i believe he had seven interceptions today maybe eight the referees <laughs> interceded right yeah, uh, I, I thought he was good. Like I, I thought him and and Fortune were both solid on pass coverage. I, those those receivers are threatening. We're not threatening. Um, that was good for me. I, I just I thought that was good. And Miller, I, I just think he was. Those were not penalties on him. Am I wrong? Those are not penalties. No. The, the, the third one was actually. I guess <laughs> I forgot oh, the third one. Wait, the was that the, the holding? Oh yeah, more Miller just literally bear hugged the guy that was yeah, trying to run by him. Yeah, that was that was that was, that was penalty. But the the PI and the holding early on, the one that took away the interception and the holding later on, those I I, I don't know, but his he played pretty well, I thought, and that's that's great because again, I don't think a third corner played the entire game, and again, that <laughs> that just worries me a little bit too. So Miller was one, um, Jared Bartlett, Dylan Tonkery. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 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 Like not a not a problem. In, in their gaps, no ADR touchdowns, no 18-yard runs on third and 12. It it just seemed like everybody was sound today. That's fine on defense. Sound is okay. I have I have multiple questions for you on this because it's it's something I was hoping to check on film review and maybe you can check it out on film review. Mm-hmm. And we'll we'll find out when we get when we check the snap counts. But how often were they out there? I mean, they they both ended up with just one tackle, but there were times where Tony Fields was kind of lining up as a bandit, like he yep. was the fourth down lineman on on some plays. I I don't want to say how many, but I definitely saw him there. Um, so I'm wondering if. I don't know. I, I need to go back and look at the personnel on some of these plays. But I, you're right. Nobody was out of gaps. It was much better with that. Tonkery and Bartlett were out there in key situations, so it wasn't like they were com- abandoned by any means. I, I just feel like I think they might have shifted in a different direction and had fields lining up in a lot of different spots in this game trying to correct that problem. Felt like they played 3-2-6 again. Um, yeah. And again, your observation is right there, which leads me to my next question. But I thought you're right. Like there were times on first downs or even like coming out of their goal line or, or in the shadow of their goal line where you put a bandit in because it might be a run. But I don't think they were scared. I, they were not scared of Baylor's offense. And you saw um, just just field. I don't I don't we'll have to check PFF on this. I don't think another Mike took a snap. Like I think Fields is out there for every snap, but. I really, really thought Chandler and Lowe played great games. Um, Chandler's got nine tackles, five solos, two TFLs. He was good. I, I feel like we got to talk about X reload sooner or later, right? Very good. Uh, it's funny because we keep we keep seeing him in these pro football focus grades, 
and and he seems to be doing Scotty decently. Young. You mean they, Scotty they Young? As, him, yeah, as mentioned on the radio tomorrow yeah. night, <laughs> they, they called him Scotty Young. Uh, radio call for WVU called him Scotty Young. Um, it is X three low, and he is playing very well. Um, sometimes I feel like he's a forgotten guy because he is behind Josh Chandler, who gets a lot of pub, but um, he's he's done great. He has done very very well, and and, and it it. I say it like that just because it's so very rare for you to see a guy change positions, you know, three times and then end up being good. Uh, so often they're moving guys because they're not fitting, because they're not cutting it, because they're not making it, or because there's not um, a clear path to playing time. And Lowe was originally seen as a corner, and then he was seen as a safety, and then they bulked him up more and moved him to linebacker. And honestly, once you start making all those moves, you kind of have to look at it and say, well – we're we're nearing lost cause point, but he was very solid last year and seems to have gotten even better this year in that weak side linebacker role. Yep, Chandler's nine five and two total solo TFL. Low is six two and zero. Oh. Um, I just think like Low is you don't worry about him when you put him out there. He can do some things that maybe Chandler can't. Chandler can do some things Low can. Don't get me wrong. Chandler is probably more stout against the run, but Low can hang in there. Chandler can cover, and that's probably Low's strong suit too. But they're good on defense. I just. Their 11 is good. Their their 14, 15 is good. I'm just I'm just not worried about that. It, it may not be locked down like it was today or even last week a couple of times, especially later in the season. But I, I don't see teams banging their head in the goalpost six or seven times on them. So I'm okay there too. Um, hey, let's uh let's not pat ourselves in the back here. But let's talk about how. Let's talk about let's talk about some things. Um, okay. Jalen Petrie played pretty well yeah. defensively. Um, I mean, just just a lot of guys that we talked about in our preview pod. Uh, William Bradley King, he was a bully out there. That's another guy we talked about. Obviously, Terrell Bernard's going to get it, but Petrie was good. Bradley King was good. We talked about cornerback blitzes, cornerback blitzes game. Uh, we talked about screen passes get the ball outside because the middle is not going to be there sooner or later team is going to check the stats and check the middle. And that happened. I, I'd love to see the PFF stats, but I bet you minimal passes were completed in the middle. Um, I don't know. We can go on and on our preview podcast, our fresh set, the things we talked about pretty providential here. Um, Neil Brown, Jamal died, Jordan, Leslie, Jared Parker. They're listening because why wouldn't you? We have all the Intel. What's one or two things that you would look ahead to adjust so this doesn't repeat itself or to carry forward so it does repeat itself? I think my, let's see. Wait, I don't know if it, this is adjusting. I think my biggest concern right now would be uh, the, the deep ball is a problem, but it's related to this issue of in both games so far, We've seen the defense kind of get around the edge and get to Daigie and get that ball out of his hands. Uh, first off, um, ball control, that's an issue. Got to hold on to the ball. The, today, you know, last week, that was an amazing play by Oklahoma State. Swiped it right out of his hands. It's hard to hold on to that when you have a, a paw from a six foot five, 280-pound man smacking at it. Uh, today was not that. Today was like Tom Brady tuck rule type stuff where sloppy. sloppy. Yeah, he, he just kind of threw it, then tried to tuck it back in, and then it just kind of slipped out. I don't even know if anybody touched it. If they did, it was a fingertip. Um, 
But that seems to bother him. And, and his presence in the pocket is my biggest concern moving forward for this offense. Because I think it then relates to a lot of the, the deep passes and the reads over the middle. But he gets happy feet, he gets concerned, and it's happened in both games not long after the, the first time he gets pressure on him from the defense. Right side, too. Yep. Same side. Seems important to me, though, too. And what was that? Was I don't want to say he got benched, but, I mean, Bryson Mays came out at right tackle to start second half. Yates played, though. Uh, Mays got hurt early in the second half, but Yates played, and I, I thought he was fine, but I think he felt that it was actually um, um, Hughes. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, did Hughes, Hughes did play in the second half. My bad. Yeah. I'm left and right here. I'm Because I'm about to get to a point here in a second. Um, I think he felt that in the right early on, and Hughes left. And then um, Mays gets hurt right away. Left side. Did Uzebu play? Uh, he started the game. No, he did not. Yates he did played. not. Yates started. Hmm. Hmm. I do not have the stats in front of me. West Virginia has not mailed out participation. I know that Yates started left tackle and played a lot. Uh, I do not know if, if Uzebu played. I, I just don't remember Uzebu playing, which makes me wonder left tackle, left guard. We know the issue left guard. Who knows? We also know 11 guys got suspended, and Uzeba was one of them the first game. So who knows? There could be myriad explanations there, but thought Yates was okay. Left guard was not an issue for me, and I, I, I watched it as close as I could. I think Frazier played every snap. I think Barron played every snap, and I think Brown played every snap. Did I miss that? I don't think so. Mike, are you yeah. trying to tell me that the pregame death chart handed out by the school like 10 minutes before the game is is – not reliable? Is that what you're telling me? I'll say this. <laughs> I, do, I, do, I don't blame it on the people who give it to us. Uh, yes. They have a task, and it's to give us information. The people who give them the information just don't think it's their job to give us the information. That's the frank, rude, honest truth. They just don't think they have to tell us what's going on. Case in point, you see number 81 out there today in the dress sheet? I saw him on the dress sheet. Who is that, Chris? That is transfer Zach Dobbins, who Dobson, who was not dressed. Yeah, isn't that weird that all of a sudden the guy who has a transfer waiver gets approved and is on the dress list, but actually isn't in uniform? That is strange. I just don't know why we do this. I just don't know. It doesn't matter, but it also doesn't matter. Like, why do we do this stuff? It's, it's, it's silly. Good, it's I get good it. podcast fodder just for you. They they want to ah! watch you. They want to watch you. They want to watch you cry. That's why it's it's not that I just have a, a constant thing about I just want to know who's playing and who can play in the game and thereby who can't play in the game. I don't have to write a story about Tay Mayo was not in uniform, but if your free safety goes down and you got to play your backup free safety a bunch or today, for example, your cat leaves and your cats, you got your backups got to go in for a little bit. I, I would just like to know why the, the order of succession is not what it's expected to be. Just me. Just, I don't know, just a guy watching the game who wants to know who can play in the game or not. Not when I'm not. Well, again, molehill. Molehill, Chris. <laughs> I, I, I do the mountain thing a lot. I'm not going to do it now. I promise you that. Um, my you know, thing. Hey, real quick, Mike. You know, when we decided to team up together on this, I think there was hope in Morgantown that you would help corral me some. But I'm getting this feeling that there might be people hoping that I can corral you now uh, or at least get you off the molehills what do you what do you think here uh no <laughs> off to the side you know what i'm up to and what i'm emailing on monday right uh-huh 
I don't think that's going to happen then. <laughs> yeah. Their wish is not your command, I don't think. Um, what? Anything else you want to cover? Because before I yeah, like my to one... wrap it up with a little a little trivia for you, because this right. is it's crazy trivia. My one but... thing, you gave the shout out to the coordinators and the head coach who were listening. Mm-hmm. Mine, coordinators and head coach who were listening. You can't win without a vertical passing game. You just can't. Like I just again, I don't I don't know where it went. I don't know if Baylor took it away. Like I'd have to. I don't have the all twenty two, but I also didn't see West Virginia run the ball into empty boxes, which makes me think that the, the, the safeties were not back. The safeties were not timid. Um, the safeties were not giving up the run to stop the pass. I don't know why he stopped the pass, but, like, listen, James and Wheaton, and even inside, again, I, I do think Winston Wright can go deep. Um, maybe they didn't have it today. That cannot be perpetual. You're going to have to win. Like, you can't go 0 for 8. Was it 0 for 8 on vertical passes against Oklahoma State? And, again, I don't know the numbers. I don't remember a vertical throw today that completed. And I don't remember many attempts, period. But, like, you're not going to win games like that. I think Wheaton's touchdown, that's promising. Actually, that's a 25-yard touchdown pass, right? Yeah. Um, by the way. So that counts as a vertical throw. So No, that wasn't got... a 25 touchdown. The Wheaton one wasn't 25 was yards. It was short because I was. I oh was just God, pulling, six! I was just pulling that Slight, up. Uh, according to different. the stat, the stat broadcast, West Virginia, and this is not thrown in the air. This is after. Um, I, I'm I'm having a hard time believing it, so I'm going to go back and check play by play in a minute. But this is stat broadcast saying that West Virginia has zero pass plays that went for 15 yards or more. Can't do zero. it, man. You can't win not, that way. You not can't just win that the way. Air. After the catch, too. Zero. That's can't ridiculous. Win. Can't win. Again, we had a stat tag in our fresh set. Daggy was 10 for 19 on play action and 3 for 14 on throws of 20 or more. Those are bad stats. Those are losing stats across the push of a season. Um, you got to go with who you go with. And you at some point, like you address who you have and who you are. And you either change the personnel or you change the tactic. But I think you change the personnel because you got to stretch it. You got like you're not going to win 12 yard fights against loaded boxes against some of these defenses you're going to see. So, um, listen, you could be a small number of teams today and you drew one of them. That's great. But this is not going to be a winning formula in November. Maybe October. We've talked about the schedule is favorable. It's not going to be a winning formula in November. All right. Here's trivia my, me. Yeah, trivia. And, and it's related to that. West Virginia, I, I can't um, I can't search this by total turnover, so it's it's a little convoluted here. But West Virginia had two interceptions, two lost fumbles, and 12 penalties today. Can you tell me, one, the last time that happened, period, and two, the last time West Virginia won a game when doing that? It just take what was a while. it again? Take Two, ter- two interceptions, two fumbles lost, and 12 penalties. Take a, take, give me a decade when you think West Virginia did that last and won. Two fumbles lost, two interceptions, and two penalties. Or more, yeah. Twelve penalties. I want to say the, the, the oh, man, um... What year was this? 
it was before the Sugar Bowl. So, 04, and they played Bowden. Nope. It, I'll just they go played Bowden in the Gator Bowl. Way too soon. Oh, really? Way too soon. Mm, then two fumbles, two lost, 12 penalties. How about the shutout against Maryland in 2013? Well, I don't know why that came up differently this time, but now I got a different number. So, uh, the answer is 1988. Uh, when I looked it up earlier, oh, when I looked it up earlier, it said 1952. So I don't know if I had a, an extra criteria in the in the search, but uh, 1988, Virginia Tech, 22 to 10, was the last time that they did that and won. Two two turn two interceptions, two, two interceptions. fumbles lost, and 12 penalties. Correct. I would love to know that Florida State game because I can remember that as being like this is horrendous, and it was I. I Swore they had a, like seven turnovers and eighteen penalties, but okay. What season fine. was that? Uh, it, it would have been the end. It was the year before. Uh, man, it would have been the Florida State game at the end of the '04 season. So like maybe like New Year's Day of '05. This is probably something that we shouldn't be doing as we're recording. We should probably no, have this tucked in beforehand. I got it right here. Well, I'll, I'll I fill. Didn't look that up I'll fill. Later. I'll fill. I'll fill. You are you got it right now? Um, let's see. West Virginia did throw two interceptions. Um, why do they not have fumbles here? Here we go. Fumbles uh, lost. Rasheed no. lost yeah, one. Two and two. Oh, lost but one. they only had eleven penalties, not twelve. That's why it didn't show up. In the, <laughs> that's why it didn't show up in the search. Uh, last, last one, last one. Um, you could again a thousand yards above, or you could screen share me, and I'll stand back at the side of the room and I'll see it. But like. There's a lot of similarities between last week and this week. Um, special teams, error slash turnover where you don't get points or lose a possession. Tons of penalties. Turnovers, didn't give up a, a touchdown on a turnover, but certainly seeded field position, seeded momentum. Um, man, once is an accident, twice is a trend. That's kind of the saying when it comes to sports. Level of concern for a team that cannot Stay out of its own way when it comes to penalty markers. Quarterback who today was frankly not secure with the ball. I think that's putting it politely. And special teams that has just been kind of rickety through two or three games so far. Is this red flag or is this just kind of, eh, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll tighten it up, I'm sure. We have an off week, Kansas, Kansas, things will be fine. I, I'm still not sure much has changed for me. I think there's still enough for this team. I, again, offense concerns me. Offense is, is more concerning than I thought. Defense is a little better than I thought. Um, so it's still looking like a 5-5, five and 6-4 five, and four team to me. It uh, looks like a team that can stick in with the better teams, at least for a while. Uh, the offense will have to, I don't want to say get lucky, but either get lucky or get better to, to beat the better teams in the league. But I think the defense... And what little they can muster on offense can get WVU a win against, say, Texas Tech and Kansas. And and then you just got to find one more somewhere to, to get to five. But this uh, run of games, 14, 14, 14, 17, 24, 13, 20, 13, 27. It's your last nine Big 12 games for points scored. Oh. And again, a lot of your offense is the same. And I understand there's a bridge between one season and the other. There's a quarterback change there. And the two big numbers last season, mm-hmm. they were with a new quarterback. But those big numbers are 24 and 20. Um, 
again, like the the whole thing about we'll be great because of our meetings and our Zoom, and we'll be ahead of schedule, and other teams aren't going to have taken care of business like we did. Think you can probably put that on the shelf right now. Other teams Zoom too. Other teams have more continuity. Other teams can digest and then display. Um, they're they're hard work in the off season here too. But just today, more importantly. Better than Baylor and a team you had to distinguish yourself against if you're going to be up there. If you're going to climb, uh, again, I, I hate saying that word. I hate the noun. I hate the verb. If you're going to ascend, you had to have Baylor today. And again, it certainly beats the alternative. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, Summary. This is, this, yeah, this has been the – this game has been circled uh, for you and I, at least from an outsider's perspective, as, as a, a turning point in the season. I'm not talking, you know, the difference between 8-2 and two and 2-8. Two and eight. I'm talking the difference between, you know, winning this game makes me feel like this is definitely trending towards five wins or more instead of two wins. Uh, you know, lose this game, and then you got me wondering if West Virginia can can get the three. So uh, this was a big game, and everything that went wrong kind of did, except for, and I can't believe what, we're, what minute we are on this podcast and haven't mentioned it, the uh, pretty obvious touchdown by Baylor that the refs, didn't signal on the field, and then didn't overturn in review. Uh, that was astonishing. But other than that, I think pretty much everything went against West Virginia, uh, a lot of it because of themselves. And they still won. And like like you said, like Neil Brown said, that's growth. That's important. Yeah. Good teams, decent teams, you know, even mediocre teams, they win those games, and, and West Virginia did. Yep, I looked this morning on one of those shady sites I'm not allowed to mention, but West Virginia was underdogs the final or the next three games too. Um, granted, they hadn't played today, they hadn't won today, so it's going to change, but that was the tenor of the conversation about them. Um, they're going to be favored. No, no, I'm sorry. They're favored in one game, underdogs in the last two. They're favored against Kansas because as yeah. the news we've broken, Kansas is Kansas, but they were underdogs against Texas Tech and underdogs against Kansas State um, at Texas Tech at home against Kansas State. Um, I I would be surprised if that happens. I, I think they're going to be favored heavily. How heavily? We're, I mean, maybe. Oh my God, we we can talk about this, but heavily favored, a touchdown at least against Kansas, unless Kansas stuns us before we hang up here, and then they're going to be favored against Texas Tech and against Kansas State. That was not the case this morning. I think it's going to change now. So hey, good for them. They they. I mean, convincing Vegas doesn't matter. But played well enough today to give you an idea that hey, it's a winning performance. But again, you just you beat who was across from you. And instead of beating yourself, and boy, you really did try to beat yourself. Take it. Take the win. And then we can complain about it for an hour and a half on the podcast after in two weeks. So long, Neil. So long, Jared. (laughs) So long, Jordan slash Jamal. We will catch you next time. Until then, I am Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.